I've been married 19 years. Um, we just had our 10th anniversary in July. Well, it'll be 40 years this summer. In June, June 24th. Where did it go? <laughs> well, the time does fly, and no matter how many years you've been married, I'm pretty sure that there's one single thing that you share with every other couple, and that is you want to be happy. Welcome to Focus on the Family today. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I so relate to that woman saying, June, June 24th, maybe, sort of. Get in the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere in there. Somewhere close. I mean, uh, Gene and I do that all the time. What's our anniversary date again? And uh, it's fun to have that little banter. Um, I love the verse in Ecclesiastes, which is, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. And uh, I think that's the way life should be. It's a good reminder that having a happy, joyful marriage isn't just uh, God's will for you. It's a calling for each one of us. And some days it may be easier to feel that contentment. Other mm-hmm. days it probably tests us in certain ways because we all have certain temperaments, certain styles, and uh, we can rub each other the wrong way sometimes. Now, I know, John, someone listening is going to send a note to us saying, hey, my husband and I, we have a great marriage. And I that's great. But about 98% of us probably live in days that are wonderful and some days that are a little more of a struggle. And we're going to talk to that 98 percentile today. Well, our guest today is Jen Weaver, who has a book called A Wife's Secret to Happiness, Receiving, Honoring, and Celebrating God's Role for You in Your Marriage. Uh, Jen's been married to her husband, Jared, for 11 years, and they have two young boys. And uh, we're pleased, Jim, to have your dear wife, Jean, in the studio with us. Hey, welcome to both of you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure being here. Thank <laughs> I you. I always love it when you're here. It's so much fun. Uh, Jen, let's start with you. Uh, you and my wife have something in common. This is, I guess, a revelation. You're both avid planners. <laughs> and I, I uh, appreciate high five. that. <laughs> yeah, high five. There you go. There's something uh, unique about that where you want to plan many things. And uh, tell us about the time when you thought a beach trip was going to be a magical moment for you. And Jean, this is so you. Oh, goodness. So in my defense, my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, but he took me ring shopping a full year before he proposed. (laughs) So I had the clue, and then every time we go anywhere, I thought this could be the moment. Here in the grocery (laughs) store, next to the bananas, he could (laughs) bend down on one knee. And so one time we had went on a day trip, and so we'd gone out on a day trip to go to the beach. We left really early in the morning. He picked me up. We got Starbucks, hit the road, and I fell asleep as we started getting close to the beach. So I woke up, and our car's parked. His car's parked at the vantage point at the beach lookout. Oh. But he's not sitting there next to me. And so I get out, and I'm looking as the sun is rising over the waters and everything's sparkling and glistening, and I'm walking along the cliff's edge, and I see him walking back towards me. And so I say hi, and we're just kind of walking toward each other. And I happen to glance down, and in the sand at the base of the cliff, it says, Will you marry me? Scrolled into the sand. And so my eyes start filling with tears, and I look back at him, and he reads my face, and confusion floods his face. I mean, he turns ghost white and looks down at the sand and looks back at me and starts shaking his head. No, oh. this was not from him. So someone else had gotten proposed to. Isn't that the craziest oh, thing? I feel horrible for oh, him. I know. So he told me later he almost thought about using the proposal because it was so perfect, but he hadn't gotten the ring yet. And so oh. someone else had proposed and didn't think to erase the message. And so... 
You're only one of five couples that had that problem. Probably. (laughs) Probably. That's awful. Isn't it? Just like a movie. Just like a movie. And so uh, I get my composure back, and we, we move on, and I'm trying to pretend like I'm not really stressed about it. And we had a great day at the beach, and then several months later, he did actually propose. And so it was beautiful and very heartfelt with a scavenger hunt and a book of love poems and all the things that I I had dreamt of. Uh, And then I asked him if he wanted to see my wedding plans, which I had been working on for six months. (laughs) (laughs) So you had a book. Oh, I did. The book of weddings. Yes, yes. The Excel book with colors and dates and all sorts of things. Did he faint at that point? Uh, He paused. (laughs) He was a little worried, was he? Well, Gene, that's kind of, it's so funny. You're giving me the impression that all women are big time planners because Gene's very much like that too. And we didn't quite, I didn't make your plans or fulfill your plans quite the way you anticipated. Well, that's true. What happened? I had a four-year plan for myself (laughs) and whoever my future husband would be. We were going to date for two years and then be engaged for two years. Perfect, great plan. But then uh, after Jim and I had our first date, it was four months later, Jim proposed to me. Yeah, you got to work fast, you know. Now, I, I was good <laughs> with that. Plan, that, though, right? that. That, that was, was not the plan. That well, was, I didn't know the plan, actually. No, it never I never been shared revealed with me. the plan to him, but that was, that was good because I was... madly in love with you and we were madly in love with each other and I thought well that's good I still have two years to work the engagement plan that was that was okay and and I was before you go on let me just add one little thing I mean what's funny (laughs) is one of her siblings her brothers said to me early the first couple of dates we had he came up to me and said you know no guys ever lasted more than six months with my sister so make the best of your time or something like that oh, well, that's... I, that may have been kenny your brother i don't know but anyway so i just want to add that part so the reason i'm thinking we better hasten this at the four month five month mark is i probably only have six months before she boots me out of our relationship but... well and and i was transferring up to the school of my dreams uc davis and and so it was all still good, but um, and then Jim moved up to be so we could be near each other. He yeah. lived with his brother at the time, and I was over at their house one day. This is several months after that, and Jim got a phone call from a friend, Paul Fullwood, asking him, "Do you know anyone who would like to work for this Christian company, showing motivational films to high school students? It's a ministry, and you go out they in tra- teams of two. Yes, and Jim said." Well, could Gene and I do it? And Paul <laughs> replied, well, he'd have to be married. And I'm not kidding. Jim put the phone on his chest and said, hey, do you want to get married in six weeks and travel around the country for a year? <laughs> I, I uh, said, um... Uh, I could know. I have a little time? You said, to- could you tell him, can we answer the question tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> but what a great experience. That You were spontaneous. That's not the normal I planning was. reaction. No, thankfully, I was open enough to the Holy Spirit to sense that that God was behind this. It was not my plan, and yet I had uh, the sense 
to realize I should not pass this up. And that's kind of hard to do. And Jen, that's your point. I mean, that's one of the major points of your book. Uh, we all know that fairy tale dream that many young women have about how they're going to get married. Uh, but you say wanting more from our marriages is actually a God-given desire, and that's important. So where's that? How do we go there? Explain that for us. You know, if we want too much, uh, uh, maybe a, a husband-to-be is saying, wow, you're really expecting a lot out of me already. <laughs> but why is that good, and what are the, the pitfalls in, in that high expectation area? Yeah, so I believe that our plans are actually really often short-sighted. So we're looking for the fairy tale moment. We're looking for the thing that we thought it was going to be in our specific timeline with our specifics and the type of house and the number of kids and all of these things, which aren't bad things, but that oftentimes God wants to replace our plan with his plan. And so we need to lean into what he's doing. What is God saying about this? How is he leading us? And sometimes the whole fairy tale thing actually limits what we're able to receive from our spouses and from our marriage because we're looking for the fluffy things. We're looking for the Christmas holiday movie special instead of leaning in to be with each other and for each other in the hard times and learning how to grow together through difficulty and be there as a team instead of the fluffy ball gowns. Yeah. Well, and one of the things it sounds like is we, um, and I think men husbands and husbands-to-be, we fail to recognize this. Because I think at times our expectations aren't quite in the same place as our wives. <laughs> so these high expectations are formulated, and we just don't meet them. And then there's great disappointment. Um, and I think this gets to the question of the whole time together. What's your secret to being a happy wife? I mean, is it minimizing those expectations or realistic expectations? Some people would say, no, keep your expectations high, and he better meet them. I mean, mm -hmm. so what? What is what is it to being a happy wife? What's the big secret? Mm. Yeah, so for me, uh, the crux of a wife's secret to happiness is seeing our marriages as expressions of our faith, not separate. Mm -hmm. So it's not that my Christian faith is over here and my marriage is this separate category, but what I do as a wife is an expression of my faith, and it begins with my relationship with Jesus, and then that naturally will impact my marriage. So in A Wife's Secret to Happiness, I go through every chapter has a specific blessing that God wants to give a wife through her husband, independent of what he does. So he doesn't even have to know that she's implementing these things. But by her positioning herself to receive from God through acts of faith, through acts of obedience, she can receive blessings in her marriage independent of what her husband does because she's a child of God. Jen, I know in your book you talk about afraid wife versus a braided wife. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So uh, one of the fun aspects of my book is I talk about wife styles. So our habits and tendencies as wife is our style of being a wife. Like you have your fashion style or your home style. And so one of the uh, wife styles that I contrast is between frayed and braided. And so a frayed wife is trying to hold everything together herself. She's trying to bring everything together and tie knots places so things don't fall apart and make things happen and fix her husband. And it's tiring and heavy and i know yes. because i've been in those tendencies mm -hmm. and on contrasting that the braided wife sees the lord as part of that third strand in their marriage cord so it's her her husband and the lord and she trusts the lord to do his part instead of sometimes even the frayed wife will try and do god's part for him and says see lord i've started this over here come complete this work <laughs> instead of letting god do the thing he's already intended to do and leaning in with prayer and with faith 
Um, I would think there'd be that woman, Jen, I want you to respond to this, that is saying, well, you know, I've tried all of it. I've, I've been the high expectant wife and with all these great ideas about how my marriage should run. Then I realized my husband just can't fulfill that. So now I just live in this place of mediocrity. It's just... It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Speak to that because sometimes we buy the line that, you know, it's just going to be what it is and there's no hope for improvement. So speak to that heart of despair, if I could put it in that class. There's nothing wrong going on. It's just not exciting. It's not fulfilling. What does that wife do? Mm-hmm. My encouragement uh, if you're that wife is lean into Jesus. We talk about, in the book, we talk about a season called a relationship winter, where Jared and I went through a particularly hard season in our marriage, and that was after my first son was born, and we just couldn't get on the same page, or we couldn't stay on the same page, and it felt lonely and isolating and heavy, and one of the things that I learned through experience in that season of time was that it wasn't about Jared and I getting to the same page. And it wasn't about me fixing him or him fixing me. It was about both of us getting closer to Jesus. Hmm. And God never gives up on the things that he's called us into. He is always calling us closer to himself. And in a marriage, he's always calling the husband and wife closer to each other. Another thing that caused discontentment for you as a wife was your tendency to be overly independent. Did I just say that, John? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Do not write me about that. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to think of it that way, that, that discontentment can come from being overly independent. Explain what you mean by that. Mm hmm So I am a strong woman, and I like that about myself. God made me that way. I can do things. I'm a doer. Uh, But sometimes that has um, been less than helpful for me uh, (laughs) because I will wait to ask my husband for help until the very last minute. And I will go to try and solve problems on my own instead of partnering with him. And I will put off having a hard conversation until I'm about bursting with all of this pent-up emotion and perspective instead of partnering with him earlier in the process Mm -hmm. and along the way and really learning how to to lean in as partners together. In fact, in the book, I think you use dance lessons to Mm -hmm. describe that. Help us with that illustration. Yes. Okay, so my husband can dance. I have no rhythm. I have no rhythm whatsoever. Uh, But one year I got his uh, dance classes. And so uh, one of the things I learned in that process was that I like to take the lead. So the instructor would give instruction and I would try and lead with his part and not let him lead with his part. And uh, so it was this great visual for me because for the dance to actually work, I needed to follow the instruction from our instructor and let my husband lead so we could move together. That's a good analogy. In fact, you, you called that dueling or dancing. Yes. Right? Am I going <laughs> to fight for my own position and my own way, or are we going to groove together? But, you know, Jen, in a, in a healthy biblical context, um, here's another taboo, the whole submission issue. Wow, is that a very debated topic in modern culture today. What's the biblical definition of that idea of submission and how should it work in a healthy context within our marriages? Yes, so it is a very taboo topic, uh, which is why I laugh all the time that the Lord wanted me not only to learn it, but then write about it. (laughs) Um, So really the biblical definition of submission in marriage is that 
a husband is first to love his wife and give himself for her, like Christ gave himself for the church. And a wife is to submit to her husband. And so as a husband gives of himself sacrificially for his wife, she in turn is able to submit to his leadership. She is able to yield to him as the leader of their home. And it's been misunderstood and misconstrued, and I believe it's been uh, misinterpreted by the enemy to try and get us to avoid submission because it's actually a means of being granted authority because of the way that authority is transferred through hierarchy. And so God gives submission to a marriage so there can be a greater level of partnership between husband and wife, not that the wife is silent or demeaned in any way. And, and you know, even humor can be wrapped into this. Uh, let me give you an example. Some woman listening right now is going, oh, Jen, you don't know my husband. I mean, I'd never submit to that guy because he makes all the wrong decisions and he just, you know, he's he's silly or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you begin to justify that position. So, I mean, in that reasonably healthy relationship, how do they get control of that? And how does a man not overdo it? And how does a woman just avoid it altogether? What's a healthy way? Yes. So it's not the man's job to inform instruct his wife to submit to him. Mm. So that's a good starting place because yes. that never goes well. Like if my husband came to me and said, you know what, babe, you really need to submit in this. Like, I usually that would get be... a look when I jokingly <laughs> say that. I'm remaining <laughs> silent here. I just <laughs> But yeah, that's right. Uh, yes. You can't, you don't want to overdo that. What? So let's state it. What's the right spiritual position for the husband? What does he need to be thinking and saying to his wife? So... I believe that as a husband gives of himself sacrificially for his wife, he lays the groundwork to make it easier for her to submit to him. And sacrificial. So, sacrificial. I like that. Yes. Now, on the on the wife's side, who's got maybe that that resistance to this mm-hmm. because she's bought into man submission. That's archaic. That's what they did in the medieval days. Um, how can she adjust her thinking to where it's healthy for her and for her husband? Yes. So I believe that starts with turning your heart as a wife toward your husband. So you are volitionally choosing, I'm going to voluntarily submit my heart to him. Practically, I am going to um, seek out his perspective. When you need prayer for something, do you go to everybody else before you go to your husband to ask him if he'll pray for you? When you want counsel for something, do you listen to what he has to say? Do you want to know what's on his heart and his mind? When you're passionate about a decision for your family, do you wrestle each other until somebody wins or somebody gives up? Or do you yield to your husband and say, babe, you know, I'm going to share my thoughts because your thoughts are valid. You have a voice. And then I'm going to ask you, God, will you pray with me about this? And I'm going to trust the Lord to give you insight into this. And I want to align with what he talks with you about. That is really good. That's right. That's good advice. Uh, Jen, in fact, uh, you have a powerful story about dreaming with your husband during a painful time in your marriage. Um, Tell us about what you were dreaming and how God used that to bring you and your husband closer together. So part of our life testimony is delayed fertility. And so in the season that I talk about in the book, we didn't know yet that it was just delayed fertility. It was infertility. Mm -hmm. And we were praying about um, starting our family and had some issues getting started with all of that. We actually had a miscarriage. And uh, our doctor encouraged us to look into some fertility treatments. And I was ready. I was ready to have kids. I was ready. I'll do all the things. You tell me I need to like jump through hoops like a dolphin. Like I will do all the things. And uh, my husband did not have peace about doing fertility huh. treatments. It just, it didn't sit well with him. We kept praying about it. And every time I, 
okay, I have peace. Do you have peace? And he'd say, no, the Lord hasn't given me peace. And so in that season, I knew I didn't want to force my way. I probably could have fought really hard and it could have created discord in our marriage and it could have been a separating factor that maybe would have resulted in having kids earlier. But I knew that it was more important to prioritize unity with my husband. And so we agreed we're not going to move forward until we both have peace about it. And so about a year later, so a year of waiting and praying and hosting baby showers and going to baby showers Mm -hmm. and releasing that dream to the Lord, um, and asking him, God, when you're when it's your timing, when it's your will, please clue us in. We want to move then. Uh, so about a year later, my husband had peace about it. And so we actually went through fertility treatments. And at that point, something that wasn't previously covered by our health insurance was fully covered. There was all of these details that had lined up very differently had we moved forward too quickly. And I believe that God didn't have peace. He, he didn't give us unified peace in that because he wanted us to wait. And so my firstborn, Dylan Zane, was born on Thanksgiving Day in oh, 2014. That is great. Which is so sweet. That's a great Jen, story. that is a beautiful story, especially because how, I, I feel how difficult that must have been. Oh, that year. To wait upon the Lord mm-hmm. and your husband because this is about having children. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And you wanted children so much. So good for you for submitting to the Lord and Jared, your husband. Well, I think one of the questions, how did you refrain from nudging that conversation? Did you really just quietly give that to the Lord and you didn't continue to talk to your husband? Like, honey, you remember six months ago when we had that discussion? I mean, did you really refrain from doing that? And I did. I didn't stop talking about it. I just changed who I was talking to. So instead oh, of talking wow. to my husband That's so good. much about it, I talked yeah. way more with the Lord about it. Yeah. And uh, I, I have found one of my um, go-to choices when I'm trying to communicate, when I'm trying to embrace um, submission in my own heart toward my husband, is asking questions. Otherwise, as a strong, independent woman, I can come across kind of assertive, kind of demanding. <laughs> and so I will often come with questions. So even in that period of time, it was, um, babe, when would you like me to bring this up again? Huh. When when could we talk about it together? Would you be okay if we occasionally prayed about this together for our future children and for our family? And, okay, you would? Okay, can I initiate those things? Or would you like to initiate those things? So just bringing up the dialogue um, allowed us to have more upfront communication. Yeah, and I That's applaud great. you for that because, again, I think the expectations for wives can be quite high about what their husbands are really grasping and understanding. And that kind of plain spokenness, if I could call it that, mm-hmm. is really helpful to us because we, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on, and we're not that good at discernment sometimes, mm-hmm. and we're not thinking deeply on those issues. Well, and you can't read our minds. And we can't read and your I minds. think a lot of Thank us... You. <laughs> think that our husbands should be able mm-hmm. to read our right. minds. And that's a great example that you just gave yeah. of, of communication and clearly and respectfully conveying what we're thinking yeah. and mm-hmm. feeling. Uh, Jen, you have laid out some wonderful things for wives to really find joy. And I think you've brought um, some great wisdom to the listeners today. And I hope it has impacted every one of you listening. 
Um, I want to say we've taken a lighthearted approach to this topic today, but if you're facing serious issues in your marriage, please reach out for help. Uh, You do not need to stay in a situation that is abusive or dangerous uh, to you or your children. Uh, Get to a safe place and then consult a counselor. Mm -hmm. Let me say thank you to you, Jen and Jean. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Some great advice for both husbands and wives on today's episode of Focus on the Family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. I really hope that the wives were listening in with all ears today because I certainly was. If you haven't heard it said before, be sure to heed Jen Weaver's point about focusing on Jesus and what he can do in your life, rather than focusing on what your husband may or may not be doing. It's not always easy, but there are countless marriages that can attest to the success of this approach. Our resource offering today is a book by Erin, Greg and Gary Smalley called The Wholehearted Wife. Instead of focusing on how do I have a better marriage, this book helps women ponder the question, how can I be the best wife I can be? It provides every woman with the skills, information and encouragement to make a positive difference to this and future generations by wholeheartedly investing in her marriage and her relationship with her husband today. You'll find The Wholehearted Wife online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300 to order. Another way to invest in your marriage is to join Greg and Erin Smalley, who will be hosting a global online event tomorrow. It's called Perfect 10 Marriage, although there is a question mark at the end of the title because there are no perfect marriages. But it's happening on the 10th of the 10th, 2020, so that's pretty perfect. You'll also get to hear from couples around the world as they share some of their successes and failures around issues like communication, conflict, and even sharing household chores. You'll find all the information on our website at safamily.co.za. I hope you can make it and make that investment into your marriage. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you to join us next time when we'll, as always, help you and your family thrive in Christ.